This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Forget about being in the watch industry. In any industry, to me, that's what branding is. It's about being respected as a brand in the industry. Like think about what Apple did. Now, how do you get there is by having a very cohesive brand image, visuals, communication, product, experience, people respecting the pricing that you set, um, people seeing the value in the product. Once you have all those pieces together, then you get the respect. This was Esti Chasano, co-founder and brand manager of Live Watches, a brand that does not have customers, but fans. A brand that is the David going against the Goliath. A brand that is digital-born yet celebrates the retro-physical. A brand that is inexpensive compared to its competitors, yet is never seen as cheap. So many topics that are just crucial to understand deeper for any brand marketer or entrepreneur. And Esti is an amazing person to hear it from. Here is my conversation with her. Welcome to the show, Esti. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for making it, um, especially during these times right now. Um, I was so intrigued when I first read about your company, Live, a Miami-based brand that offers Swiss-made high-quality watches at a fraction of the price we all got used to seeing. We're talking a couple hundred dollars versus thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars. And for all of you listening, go to uh, livewatches.com to get a visual of the impeccable designs. So, you and your husband are both co-founders, um, but he is the official watch expert, I would say, um, the brand mm -hmm. as a person, as we call it. Um, mm -hmm. Yet I chose to have you on the show because you're also the brand manager. Um, mm -hmm. and, my, and, and the big question, just to kind of like start this off, how does one set out to break this carefully crafted, and I can only assume well-guarded, system that is the Swiss watch monopoly. I mean, how did you get into that? Because you really, you are, you're the underdog coming in and you're, you're steering it up quite a bit. Like, how did this all start? Well, that's a good question. Let me just gather my thoughts for a second. <laughs> well, I would say, we, you know, as you said, my husband is really the watch guy. Um, my husband had been obsessed with watches as a young child. And he turned his obsession into a passion um, <laughs> slowly through the years. And then as he got older, um, he wanted to work within the watch industry and he got his first job in a packing room for a Swiss watch brand. Then, hmm. when e-commerce came along, um, he set up his own website to trade watches online. He was one of the first, you know, e-commerce websites Um for high-end watches and then after we got married there was a huge shift in advertising how the consumer behaves so we thought that it would be a good time to launch our own brand together a direct-to-consumer no store online only super high quality watches at an accessible price with a focus on what we call the fan not the customer, but the fan experience. And I can talk a bit more about that in detail later. But I think that because we started 
with that totally different mindset, we weren't coming, we were, we were playing by different rules than them. Right. So that took us to an advantage. And so playing by different rules is usually seen. It's um, like David and Goliath. Yeah, no, totally, right? And I, I, I just really, the way that I see it as an outsider, and I, I lived close to Geneva for a couple of years, and so I, I kind of like that entire Swiss uh, watch uh, monopoly, it feels like. It must be extremely difficult to, 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 to come in with, in the beginning, you know, your watches were a couple hundred dollars. Now you have, you have some that are a little pricier, but um, to, to be, A, taken seriously, um, and to even be invited in. I mean, would you, or, or have you even shown up with Liv at one of those, nudie international watch fairs to stand your ground or do you do you choose not to you, go down that path what? at all that that's a great question first of all the funny thing is that we now we we started getting emails <laughs> from basel world you know um hmm. the past few years inviting us to <laughs> to come but, but we were never interested in going there because that's not our model you know we're not right it, it, it doesn't make sense for us um, besides the fact that I don't even know what they're wh where they're up to now, I know at one point I don't even. They, well, they well they obviously cancelled for this year. They they're having problems of their own, and that's part of the huge shift of going down our route. Anyway, absolutely. Um, I mean, that, yeah, you you're definitely well positioned for that right now. But when you talk about um, respect, you know, to us, that's really what branding is that because you're talking about how do you get respect and forget about being in the watch industry in any industry to me that's what branding is it's about getting respect um being respected as a brand in the industry like think about what apple did um now how do you get there is by having a very cohesive brand image visuals, communication, product, experience, people respecting the pricing that you set, um, people seeing the value in the product. Once you have all those pieces together, then you get the respect and that respect will come within the industry itself as well. So, you know, we've, we've over the years, we've spoken to major watch publications where in the past they would, you know, we, we were able to gained that respect because I think we did everything in a very authentic and real way that eventually we actually, you know, we became a player in a sense. Right, right, an outlier, but 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 a but a player in 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 the game. Yeah. It's it's and yeah. and I really like the idea of respect because especially for your brand, um, that that was everything. I mean, that was kind of like the if you didn't gain respect, uh, your brand would have not flourished. Um, so I totally right. I totally concede that. And that's why, and that's actually why when we talk about branding internally, and we always are thinking of everything in terms of relationships, just like. In a relationship with a spouse, people need to respect each other. People are not going to invest in a brand that they don't respect. You know, Mercedes, Rolex, whatever they did, they did in order to get respect and they did it successfully. And that's, you know, we're doing it in a very different way, but that's really our goal. Yeah.
And and we talked a little bit about uh, about the pandemic um, off offline when we when we did our personal introduction, and you talked about um, you know uh, watch events and how it changed. Um, obviously, the, the the pandemic changed so much of our daily routines. Um, I, for instance, have not worn my beautiful um, tech tech cure um, you know chronograph uh, in you know ever since I came home from my last flight back from Europe, um, where I was where I was working um, you know on some workshops, and when I entered the quarantine. So, so on the one hand, I would think that this unprecedented situation to be followed by a recession might hugely impact any retailer that flirts with uh, anything that's aspirational, right? Like, like, like a watch like yours. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, live maybe very well situated, as you hinted at, with, 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 with being a lower price point, being e-commerce first. How is the brand being affected right now? Okay, first of all, just um, when you mentioned, and we were talking about you just mentioned your tag Hoyer chronograph and you, we were talking before about, you know, coming up against the big boys. It's so funny because the other day I was on one of our Amazon products. Um, that's another whole story, Amazon, but we do have some, <laughs> we do have some products on Amazon. Um, and I was, I was just scrolling down the page and I noticed, and I, I immediately sent my husband a screenshot I noticed that they had now the algorithm had somehow done, how does this product compare to other products? You know how they sometimes have that, like that chart? Yeah. And they had the Live Swiss watch compared to a Tag Heuer <laughs> and a Tiso. And I'm like, wow. That is amazing. I'm like, this is amazing i that's, cannot believe it that's your proof point that's all you needed right exactly and that and i and in that respect i would trust amazon because it's completely based on data that them putting that up there is based on data you know right it's right not, right it's not some affiliate putting it up there it's real they put it up there because they know right that's that's pretty amazing yeah yeah but and And then to answer, I just had to say that because I thought that was so cool. <laughs> And um, to answer your question about the um, about the pandemic, um, so yeah, we are we we are situ. You know, we, we, we're trying to continue to have a positive outlook. We are situated in a good place in terms of where we are in our brand in our brand timeline. Just forget about the rest. What's going on in the rest of the world? You know, a few years ago, we didn't have so many product offerings. We didn't, you know, over time, all the all the um, reviews have built up online. The press has built up online. We have a strong online presence. Well, that we've been everything online from the beginning. But I'm saying in terms of third party websites and so on and so forth. So uh, by third party, I mean like press, review websites, and so on. So. We were perfectly situated within our brand timeline. Like we kind of had everything set so that if people are home more, they have more time to do research. There's a lot of information out there about us. Um, so in that respect, it's positive. Yeah. Uh, uncertainty isn't good for anybody. Um, but at the same time, we are, as you said, much more affordably priced so well we like to say accessibly priced mm -hmm. um 
So if someone, for example, wanted to buy a new watch and would normally spend $10,000 on a watch, maybe now they have time to do some research and realize that we might actually be a good investment for a $1,500 watch. Um, so there's a lot of different parts. I'm, I don't have any data on it because, yeah. you know, I haven't done any any um, surveys or anything like that. Some of this is my gut. Some of it is talking to, to fans. Um, and some of it is just knowing where we are as a company and, and, and connecting the dots. No, and that's, and that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, talking about. And, and, and sorry, one, one other thing is that we're very lucky, you know, in a way, when we first started, I'm not going to lie. I kind of had this dream of getting into like Neiman Marcus and just because, and still now people are like, oh, well, now not so much because of what's going on in the world, but you know, even up to right before the pandemic, it's like, oh, are you in the are you in the department stores? Like you, people were still asking us that, right? And I all kind of secretly dreamed that I could say yes, <laughs> and now I'm so happy that I can just say we were so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and at a certain point, I was in touch with buyers at Nordstrom, thinking about getting in there. But but at the time that I was trying to get our product in, we didn't have enough product offering, so they weren't interested. But I never, and I never tried to go back once we had more product offering because at that point we realized that it made no sense for us. Well, and, and also, I mean, that uh, the price point obviously is is one of the big differentiators. Of, of course, the design too and the brand story, everything, right? But but every live watch is being touched by, I think, 55 hands in the process of being made. So these are these are all Swiss watchmakers. Um, mm -hmm. So so you are D2C and you forgo a ton of advertising spent because of it. But there's still a lot of marketing you have to do, right? You have to create quality content. You, have, you, you offer free shipping to any country in the world, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you're talking on your site that you have fanatical service, et cetera, et cetera. So how, how does that financial model work? I know this is all about branding, but I think everyone is intrigued. How can you offer a product of such quality with kind of the same hands being involved in the, in the, in the, in the, in the process um, as, you know, as, as, as there may be for a TAC Euro or for a Rolex or for any other, you know, like really large brand? How do you, how do you cut the fat out of the price for the consumer? Well, it's, you know, maybe as many hands are touching it in the construction and design pro process, but no hands are touching it once it gets to us, you know, once we're ready to ship. So there's no distribution. No one needs to get a cut all the way down the line. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time you get that Rolex, think about how many people needed to get a cut for that. So we don't have that. We're, we're going direct to the consumer. It's as simple well, as that. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's just it's, direct. Yeah. We've cut out everything so we can focus all our resources on A, making a beautiful product, and B, that relationship with the, with the customer. With it. Well, we don't call them customer, we call them fans. But that's, that's really what we can do. So we, all that, all that fat is stripped away mm -hmm. and directly down and and there's no distortion of the brand voice image nothing it's like it's it, it, real it's authentic 
exactly. It's a beautiful, authentic, authentic story. And 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 by you cutting all of these middlemen and these distributors and God knows what, right? All all the fancy advertising in the uh, you know in Vogue, <laughs> you know, or all of those all of those magazines. And and by you not being an email Marcus, right? Um, those those are also stories that that real diehard watch collectors actually ache for because they knew the entire time that they are being screwed over in a, in, a, in a way, right? Um, so they come with open arms, I'm sure. Let's talk about yeah. Kickstarter for a second because that's a big story for your brand. So you raised the last time I checked, and I know those numbers must be off now; they must be much higher. But you raised 2.9 million dollars via Kickstarter. Um, your latest watch on the platform, the P51 Pilot Titanium Automatic Chronograph, will be at a much higher price point. It's actually a $2,000 watch. The campaign had a $30,000 goal, and when I checked last week or so, which by now I'm sure again <laughs> the, the, the prices you can go, uh, the, the actual numbers you can correct me on, but it was four days away from ending the campaign, and it had over $1.6 million pledged. This is unheard of. I mean, this is unbelievable. Why is Kickstarter working so insanely well for your brand? And, and do you have any tips for other entrepreneurs listening on how to fully take advantage of the platform like you guys did? Yeah. Okay, so the platform that the P51, on which it is currently, is our own internal system, but it's the same concept as Kickstarter. And that's where we initially launch everything. That's correct. I see. So, so I think just going back, why why do we go to Kickstarter? So the first thing that I you know that's really important to understand is that we don't just go because of the funding. There's there's much more to it than just the funding. The funding is a really great piece, <laughs> but that's not the only reason. So number one, it forces us to articulate and present this new brand concept and collection. Kickstarter forces you to define it. When you launch on Kickstarter, you have to actually sit down and say, why does this, with our first Kickstarter, we had to say, why does our brand even need to exist? Mm-hmm. And then with every collection, why does this collection need to exist? So that's a really, you know, it sounds so basic, but sometimes you get carried away and you don't stop and think, and, and Kickstarter forces you to do that as part of the steps in creating a project. So that's number one, uh, which I think is incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the second reason is because if you're able to prove your concept, uh, it enables you to understand what, people really want you're presenting the concept and then you're getting the feedback and then you're using the feedback to go into production so you might have had an idea and said you know i'm going to produce this dial in five different colors but then you go live on kickstarter and you realize that people actually only like three of the colors they don't want the other two so you're not even going to bother producing it's a focus group yeah yeah exactly and by the way connecting back to what we talked about with the big brands think about it they just go to production. They have no idea. There's no, there's no data. They just go to production and then they might have a huge amount of inventory left over from a certain production that they just need to get rid of and they need to discount it. So we never bump into those issues. We end up selling every single piece we create because we, 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 because we go the Kickstarter route. Um, then, of course, the third reason, going back to why why the Kickstarter piece, the third reason, of course, I would put it as 
and number three is the funding. And the fourth reason, which is really what we're all about, is just being able to start a relationship with people. Many of the people that we started with in the very first Kickstarter continue to hold our hand through. They've continued on our journey. They buy every single watch we come out with. Um, they're, they're our fans. They're... They they continue to be a part of our journey, so it's an amazing relationship builder. But you have to do it. But you have to do it right. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, so, so so many things I want to comment on, uh, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna restrict myself. Uh, <laughs> but but so so first off, um, the the idea that Kickstarter makes a startup um, that that is not even a brand at that point, that it's just an idea, right? If someone goes to Kickstarter yeah. and starts, um, that that. It actually makes you answer the all-important question to why does this product exist? Um, I, I think I think that is so crucial. I mean, that's the work that I do with my clients, and they pay me a mm -hmm. lot of money and fly me around the world just to answer yeah. the question, why does it exist and why would people care? Which is so hilarious in a way, right? Because everyone should know it if they put something out there, right? But it is, like you said, it is the most difficult question to answer right because this is when we're talking about purpose this is when we go deeper this is when we're going to like what do we really put out in the world um and especially when you have a watch company and you've got i don't know like you know 10 20 30 50 SKUs. um you know why does each one of those exist i think it is tremendously important to create value in the eyes of of of, of the of the of the person purchasing it um And um, and and I also I also think it's um, it's 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 extremely interesting that you went uh, Kickstarter because it seems to me that one of the big advantages uh, brand advantages uh, of of Live is that you're really going for the limited edition runs right is every mm -hmm. single watch limited now yes now now when well everything we do not mass produce anything um, that's just not our model but. Everything is absolutely limited production and everything is now, at the beginning we didn't, but now everything is also limited edition. Which is so whip smart yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why yeah. you have your super fans, which, which I can't believe that statement. That is so amazing that, that people literally buy every single model that comes yeah. out. Um, and, yeah. and, and the limited nature must have a huge, there must be a huge component of why they would want to, because they're collectors, right? I mean, a lot of them yeah. must flirt with the idea of potentially reselling at some point. Yeah, and, and we noticed some of our watches on eBay, and to us, that's like so, and and not, and and not discounted, like heavily discounted or anything. People reselling, like there's a there's already a third market for it, which is awesome. Um, for probably a collector reselling or. But people see the value in it. Absolutely, that, that is amazing, right? And that was not something that you initially, you know, most probably thought would happen. But it's a logical progression, and that also yeah. makes me wonder: is 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 live? Which again, I mean, for for our listeners, it's the same type of watch with the same quality. It's just at a very different price point. But is 
is a Lyft, right? Like a Rolex, a Lyft, is, is it turning into a well-regarded status symbol for many, right? Because for many, they want they want to say, oh, it's a Rolex, right? When someone asks. Um, and, and of course, for, for your brand, that must have been a little bit of a brand, you know, pain point in the beginning of figuring out, well, how do we not come across as, oh, it's, 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 it's a cheap or an inexpensive uh, watch from the internet, right? But right now it is happening with all of your stories that you're telling online and with really showing how much impeccable you know, work goes into these pieces and that it is really one-to-one um, as far as craft- craftsmanship goes. Um, is it now turning into kind of like a status symbol? Like are, are, people, are people excited about the, the outlier in the watch collection and, and they actually like to show off? Like, no, this is, this is actually a live. So I think our brand focus, when, when, when you ask me, you know, when you say you're wearing a live, right? Yeah. When, when I want someone to say, you know, what do you think of when you say Rolex? When I say Rolex to you, what do you think of? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, high quality, I think, I think status, I think Swiss made. Right. So, yeah, I think most people would probably say status. Yeah. It's so, but we, we want people to say, and because you asked me about status, that's why, you know, I asked that back to you, but when we want people to think of live, we want them to think authentic. We want them to think this is authentic. This is real. And that is what we strive for. We're not striving for status. We're striving for authenticity because we think that, you know, today in today's world, you can't fool anybody. Everybody wants brands to be real with them. People want to invest their money and emotions into something that's authentic. Yeah. So rather than using the word status, I would use the word authentic i would say we're not striving for status if you are authentic you can get there and if you have a really beautiful product that will be a byproduct but that in itself is not what we're trying to achieve so maybe status turns into pride right it's it's pride of ownership i think people have pride of ownership when they have a rolex but they also have pride they can also have pride of ownership when they have a live because they're they they feel smarter you know like they you know i mean i think that must be a huge conversation you know if you wear a live and someone next to you wears a tech uh you know like like me (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like the austrian jerk who spent the money um (laughs) and you know i'm sure it's an interesting conversation of like well how much did you spend on this well did you know that my watch and then you know they can rattle off all the details of how it is made and how precise it is. And, you know, I think, I mean, it, it, it must be a really interesting conversation and I'm sure that's happening online all the time now. I really like how you said that. Exactly. They're proud. They are. They're proud and, you know, and they're on a journey with us and they're proud to be part of that journey. And, it, and again, it comes down to authenticity because we really do have an authentic relationship and they grew with us as a family. Um, they, they, the brand grew as, and as we grew our family as well, you know, at one point it was just my husband and myself working in the office and um, we had just done a Kickstarter and I, and and I was due to have our third child (laughs) and the baby came three months early and we were not prepared because (laughs) I was doing all the responses to the, to the, to the fans. I was the one managing the whole fan experience. We didn't have anyone working for us at the time. So (laughs) I actually had to write a message to all of them and say, 
I just want to let you know, I just had a preemie. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. He's totally fine right now. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was hard to write that email because, you know, it's a very personal thing. Yeah. But it felt natural. Yeah. Because these people were part of our lives. They, and they still are. And I cannot even tell you how many messages I got back and said, don't worry, my son is a preemie. I was a preemie. And it's like, and it became, and it just helped ferment that relationship and, and it made it so real. And until this day, I, I, I feel that relationship with, with our fans, even though maybe I'm not responding to every single message now, I'm yeah. still very involved, but obviously we had to, you have to scale um, and grow. Um, but yeah, but that, that's, I don't know how I got to that point. Well, it, it's, imp it's an important point. Um, because we, we, I, I think we were, we were talking a little bit about the brand growth, but, but I think to, to me, that is so crucial. Um, because a lot of, a lot of people that I, that I interview, especially female, female founders and female co-founders, um, you, you know, I talked to Chenny's of Chenny's ice creams. I talked, I talked to, mm -hmm. um, you know, Christina Stemble of, of farm, farm girl flowers and um, all of them. It is in the beginning, it is their determination, obviously, as a founder, right? Because it takes a lot yeah. of that, but uh, and a lot of the grit um, uh, and, and hustle. But it, a lot of it is just being 100% you, right? And sharing that journey and sharing the, the not, not only the hits, but also the misses. Um, and I think that that is such a huge change. And that's why a lot of people, when they ask me, oh, you're working with, 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 with startups and corporations on branding and marketing, and isn't it all fake and stuff? And I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely not. The way that corporations are being built now and the way that brands are being built now is so much different than it used to be. And, and you talking mm -hmm. about sending out this email um, and talking about something that I, I don't believe anything can be much more personal than that, right? Um, uh, it, it creates from, from the get-go, it, it creates that sense of realness, that sense that um, something that every other big brand wants to be, right? Coca-Cola and, you know, like all these big kind of legacy brands, they all want to be your friend, right? They want to have a spot on your Instagram and Facebook, but we rarely allow them to because it doesn't feel authentic. But when a brand like yours pop up, pops up and people know the story, and people, you know, know the founders' names, um, especially in the beginning, it's huge. Money can't buy that, right? And I think yeah. it's it's such a wonderful, it's uh, that 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 just completely changed with D2C brands and with the startup movement of the last 10, 15 years. And I, I, I'm just so happy to hear that every time someone says that. Yeah, yeah, it really is an incredible time um, for creativity, for for quality, for for, you know, just, just for producing something real, I think it is an incredible time. There's a lot of there's a lot of fluff out there as well, but if you're real, then it's an incredible time. And then to the point of what you know, some of the legacy brands are trying to do. So, um, you know, I don't know, is it Alpina or Alpina, the watch company? I do not um, know how you pronounce it either, but I but I saw it. I have the visual in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> they went, they they went on Kickstarter after us. Wow. They they actually, yeah, yeah. When we saw them on Kickstarter, we were like, what? <laughs> um, but, they, but I guess they saw the value in it. I'm not sure if it worked as, you know, it, it would be hard to integrate that model once you're already a legacy brand. 
That's what um, I that's what I think too. Yeah. And and talking about the authenticity, that might not feel authentic at that point, right? Because you're already yeah, down a certain path. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and that's what you know, people often ask us with your Kickstarter campaign, um, did you did you do it yourself or did you hire a company to do it? And I always say, um, you know, even if I would have had all the money in the world, um, I wouldn't pay someone to do that. You've got to do it on your own. You've got to be authentic. Um, and especially when we first launched, the whole concept of fan experience where the person's not just a customer doing a transaction but actually a fan, it was not very pre prevalent. People didn't even understand the language and concept. So we want to... And as we grow, we want to continue to be authentic. And so that's why we continue to do it on our own. We're not we're not going to outsource that. You know, we want to we want to keep our watches affordable. Agencies take a lot of money. So we will continue to do that on our own. That's, that's uh, you know, often people are asking us that. So I'm sure that the Alpina or Alpina, however you pronounce it, <laughs> you know, that how could you ever be as authentic if it's it just it's just not like that it's right. just so so how how big is your micro brand now i mean you know you must have grown um how how big is the team it it it's very lean we have you know a couple people in our office in miami um i always thank them every year As, as we grow larger and larger, I say, thank God you guys are here because if it was still my husband and I in that tiny office, <laughs> one of us would have killed the other one. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah, so thank God we've grown um, for many reasons. Um, and then we, we, you know, we're just very smart about everything. You know, often when you hear founders talking, they talk about especially some of the bigger companies You know, you listen to some of those podcasts, they talk about skill stack. Yeah. Um, and I think that my husband and I are really lucky to be working together and we just have a really good combined, as as people alone, I don't think we would have enough of a skill stack to do this. Yeah. But as a combined unit, um, we're really able to, ha to, to do a lot of things on our own And not and and keep a really lean team, so we're able to continue to to, to do the pricing that we're doing, um, because we're able to do a lot of things. You know, he he's always he's he's always been really good at the production side of things, um, at the marketing piece, the messaging, um, and. I, I, my background had nothing to do with watches. I came from an education, nonprofit, organizational management background, hmm. which very, very different. But from the very beginning, we've really made a focus on education, education, education. So we focus a lot on our stories, on our blog, and on our emails, on just educating people. So I think together, And that's why we we figured we'd be able to do this is that together we were able to have the skills back to keep a lean team and keep the pricing accessible and just do things. We really try to do everything smartly and creatively. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I do, 
I do feel that with with a brand like yours, um, you know, branding. You and I can both agree because we're both in the fields, but but branding yeah. um, must have been extremely important. Um, you know, because because you know you're you're a younger, bolder version of some of those big brand alternatives. Um, but yet you're the incumbent, so you first had to create a little bit of the same expected Swiss watch aura of precision and aspiration uh, with the detailed watch shots and the aspirational models wearing them. But then but then you kind of like pivoted. Um, like where, how did you create the brand's look and feel and, and the tonality? I mean, it seems like a lot of it was very, talking about authenticity in a small team, very much uh, must have been very organic and natural. But um, you also you also received a lot of feedback through um, through Kickstarter, through your fans. Um, how, how did how did you shape your brand's look? Was it was it all internal? Like, how did you how did you do that? That's a good question. So the initial logo we we had a designer that we knew and the initial logo we had from that we kind of developed my husband and myself and this one designer but that was literally just a logo and a name mm -hmm. that was it it was nothing um and then once we had the concept as i said we like to do things smartly and creatively and i always say my husband has really he's very creative he has really really good ideas And then I call myself the chief implementation officer because I'm hmm. better on the implementation side. Hmm. So he had this idea of why not create something called the Live Design Challenge um, and invite designers to we get we created a design brief. You know, we have this concept, but we want to create we want to create this brand and we want the brand to, brand to be bold and some of the things that you just mentioned. Um, and we want to create a watch and our first watch, we want to have this movement in it. Like we gave details yep. because my husband knew the production side, obviously. And then we went on these portfolio websites and just invited designers to participate. We kind of handpicked hundreds of people who we saw had designed precision items product designers and we invited them to partake in a challenge and that's how we got our watch designs wow we, we, we rewarded them obviously yeah 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 that is But, amazing so so it's it's pretty it's pretty crowdsourced so so the initial watch yeah. designs were crowdsourced and even even ones that we launched you know a few years later not just the initial ones but they were also basically Any new watch design that we have, that's not from the, like, so, so far we have the GX collection and the Rebel collection. Those were both winning designs. And then we kind of um, created multiple versions of those original designs. So, and we work with the, um, some of the time we work with the original designer who had won the contest. Wow. to develop those collections that is that that is unbelievable um i mean yeah. you know, try try that with a traditional watch company right <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and that, that itself is a huge job i mean you can't just you know again you can have the concept but then you've got to have the skill stack to be able to implement that so oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, 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 and how did how did the name come about was it was it the same did you or was the name already no. always there and you you thought about uh the idea of living your life and being bold and live yeah. I, i assume that's where it would come from yeah yeah we had a concept that we wanted to create this direct to fan experience brand uh 
we wanted to have direct relationships with people. We wanted it to be something built around the concept of living life to the fullest. So when I envisioned the brand and and when I had listened to, I had read up a bit and, you know, because my, my background was not in branding, so I kind of had to self-learn it. Um, I realised that, that, that if we were going to do this successfully, we needed to build it around a persona and I wanted that persona to be my husband because mm-hmm. he's a very adventurous um he re- he loves quality items he really represents what we you know someone who would appreciate the watch so we built it around his persona a lot of the imagery is with him actually hmm. um he also makes an okay model <laughs> <laughs> good, good for you <laughs> and that, we can add that to his skill stack <laughs> and that helps keep the costs down um, <laughs> So yeah, so we built it around around his personality, really. That's uh, that makes it so much easier in the beginning, right? Yeah, um, absolutely, and and it makes it easier. It keeps it. You're able to keep the the concept very defined. And like I said, you can use him as a model as well, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> and it's family pride, right? Um, yeah, it's a good- <laughs> so, so when when I prepped for our interview, and I have this, have to bring yeah. this up. Um, I went through Liv's Instagram account uh, to get a yeah. sense of the brand because that's what you do today, right? That these days yeah. it's not going to the website. You first go to Instagram, you get a really yeah. good idea of what's now, what's happening. Um, and and I was just about to call the interview off when I saw your line of Liv wall clocks um wall clocks okay which literally are the wrist the wrist watches hung on the wall just the watch not the strap they looked horrendous and sure enough i realized it was posted on april fools and i was so relieved i looked at it and i'm like oh "Oh my god what are these people doing it it was just so hilarious Uh, oh that's (laughs) and even though yeah that was so good and and swatch was able to pull that off right in the 80s do you remember remember that the big swatch watches um they're they're going like for 500 bucks now online which is pretty funny um that is fun that is hilarious (laughs) i need i need to tell that to my team i'm like i don't i don't know if i want to have these people on my on my show Um, (laughs) well but um but uh, was there even though you're very much about you're you're pretty religious about data and 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 customer feedback and you know and and even crowdsourcing and letting letting people's voice be heard within your product and and how you offer it was there some, you know, like brand fail that you went through where you where you felt like, oh my God, we just totally missed, you know, it wasn't the the wall clock, obviously, that was an April Fool's, but but was there something that you did where afterwards you felt like, you know what, that was that goes into a chapter where we failed forwards for sure. That's a really good question. We did make uh, make a lot of small mistakes. Um, we corrected them. I think the key to any brand success is to realize your mistakes early enough, obviously, to make be able to make the chan- changes. But I think a brand like ours can never afford to make an enormous mistake. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we we, if we would have made an enormous mistake, we would not exist now. So you have to get it right. You you're not going to get it right every time because then you're not going to take any risk. But you you. You 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 can't make an enormous mistake. Now I'm I've got to say there is an element of luck involved. You know, how would you know that 
the first design, we thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But how would we know that $200,000 worth of funding would think it was beautiful, you know? Right. So, so there, I do think there's an element of luck in it. I really do. I really do. But, but, but the element of luck is built upon you having the right mindset, yeah. the right goals, the authenticity piece, all of that together. Yeah. Well, and luck goes hand in hand with a lot of yeah. really, really hard work. What, this is the big question. What does branding mean to you? So, um, you know, it's really what I mentioned before, the cohesion of the brand image. It's a lot of different pieces being cohesive. And then, so the brand image, the visuals, the communication, the product, the experience, the cohesion of all of that. Um, And then people being able to just respect that, Mm -hmm. that whatever messaging that is, that is cohesive and consistent. And I love that you brought up the respect part again, because that is a very unusual way of seeing, seeing, seeing the role of branding. And I think, I think it is really, really great that you crystallized it to that. This is, a, this is a question that I ask every single founder on my show. Um, if you take every single piece of communication and every single piece of your brand purpose and your vision and your mission, and you would be able to just put it in a funnel and out comes one word you know, or two words, what, what, what would that word be for your brand if you would have to describe it in, in, in one word? I know we heard things like you know, boldness and authenticity um, is is that what it would be? Authenticity, or is there something authentic, else? Yeah, authentic. Authentic. Yeah. See, yeah. I did my I did my yeah. espionage. Well I knew, <laughs> I knew that's what it would be. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Well, then, then we're doing a good job. If you could figure that out, we are right. Um, we're making we're making progress. Do you have any Do you have any final piece of brand advice for founders? Um, you've you've just been through an extremely amazing journey uh, building a, a Swiss watch brand out of the U.S. Um, that is competing with a lot of the big names now and is striving. Is there anything that you learned? Where you you just figured, you know, that's one thing that I definitely need every entrepreneur to hear. Yeah. Okay. So I know this is going to sound extremely cliche, but when everyone tells you that you cannot do something, you know, you're doing the right thing. I love that. I hear it over and over again. Right. And it's so, it's so important. But it's true. It is so important to hear it over and over again, right? That determination and that grit and that hustle. That's what really, that, that's, that's what makes, that's what makes a founder, a founder, a a succeeding Mm -hmm. founder. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So listeners who fell in love with your brand um, just now, and they just found out about it here, where, where can they find uh, live online? Yep. They can go to livewatches.com, L-I-V, watches.com we're also as you said on instagram facebook at live watches um yeah come join our journey check out what we're doing um we do find that a lot of people who follow us are small business owners entrepreneurs um people who really appreciate the time and effort that's going into it we see that so much so um if you're one of those people i think you'll really appreciate what we have to offer 
Absolutely. And I, I can start hearing that your kids are getting getting a little more antsy yeah. in the background. So we will let you go now. But thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Esty, for having been on the show. Um, we, we so appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice. It was really nice chatting. Thank you for the opportunity. It was really an interesting conversation for me as well. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a brand journey. I hope you enjoyed it. Give Hitting the Mark a quick rating or review. And if you can, join my Patreon group by going to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. The latest members to join my mentorship circle groups on Patreon while help enabling this podcast are Shaquille Mohamed, who joined the Creative Circle, and Kadisha, who went all out to join on the Golden Brand Circle level. Thanks to both of you. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.